Experience the difference. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. The content of this radio show is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Welcome to One Soul Radio, an interactive conscious conversation grounded in psychology and inspired by spirit with Steve Hassenberg and Kelly Alpert. Welcome, dear listeners, to One Soul Radio here on Unity Online Radio. This is the show for you and by you, a virtual community creating conscious conversation and the opportunity to have a place to delve a little bit deeper into life than you may do on your own. We are here to offer you a a unique perspective from both the spiritual world and the psychological world at the same time. I'm Callie Alpert here with my dear friend, co-host, and spiritual psychotherapist, Steve Hassenberg. So good to see you again. So good to see you. And I want to welcome you back from the Finger Lakes. (laughs) Thank you. Yes, I was blessed with a beautiful getaway last week, which was really lovely, although I missed um, doing our show, so I'm happy to be back. I did too. I missed having you. So our show today is Know Thyself. Do you really know who you are? Have you been searching? And dare you even shine that light, take the flashlight and shine it into all those fun and not so fun cavernous places in your personality to get to know yourself better? Well, what you might not know is that you actually have two selves. You have your ego or material self and your divine or heavenly self. And if you operate from the large self, your life is lived with ease and a loving openness to the world around you. If you live from ego self, the world is full of comparisons and feelings of isolation. Uh, I think a lot of us know those probably more well than we do uh, the former. (laughs) I think we do. (laughs) So today we will discuss our relationship to the seemingly opposite parts of ourself and share tips about how to work more creatively with both promising a life of greater fulfillment. Yummy. Sounds like a good promise. It does. So let's start by um, talking about the origins of Know Thyself. I know you're very fond of this history. Eighth century BC, Mm -hmm. Greece, yeah. Mm -hmm. The um, wonderful temple at Delphi, Um, The temple at Delphi was a place where the oracle Pythia lived. Now, my assumption is that Pythia, as in Pythi... Yeah, I was going to say, is that connected? I think it is. Hmm. Something something very pithy and precise. Mm -hmm. I've had lots of thoughts about Pythia because (laughs) (laughs) I, I wondered how they would select her, you know, One Pythia lived, and then she was gone, and another Pythia would be found. I don't know how it all worked. But she was consulted on all manner of international and national decisions for the country. Interesting. Yes. And um, it was called the uh, Temple of Apollo, where she worked. And inscribed over the Temple of Apollo are the words... Know 
thyself. Why do you think they cared then? Like, do you know what, what it was that went into, I mean, because we're so accustomed to this term now and it's interesting to hear the historic origins of it because I think we, at least I've never tracked it until we started talking about doing a show about this topic. Um, do you think that it's, I guess it's always been a, you know, an, a natural inclination for humans to want to dig deeper and get to know themselves on some level and understand this crazy thing called life, right? Well, if you want to go deeper with me. Oh, please. You know, I like to do that. Well, that's okay. why we're here. So back in Greece, we had uh, a wise man named Socrates and we had his wise student named Plato. Right. And they wrote a lot about the idea of knowing thyself. And Plato wrote an essay called The Cave. And the fact that human beings live in a cave. And yet in that cave, there's a shaft of light that comes through. That if you follow, it takes you to the other world. And you're really the origin of that is your cosmic home. He didn't say all that, but that was my interpretation. I was just going to say that's quite beautiful, nor did I know that. Um, but um, but I like the way you're contemporizing, and I think that's really beautiful. <laughs> um, so that was definitely um, the, the biggest maxim, right? Or a sort of proverb or whatever, right? Whatever, uh, I guess, pithy, was it called a maxim? It was a, it was a pithy statement. It was a pithy, a pithy thing, pithy thing. Um <laughs> Getting to know our ego because our soul has given it to us, right. right? Getting to know that we have two sides. It sounds like maybe that's where this whole concept may have been born, the idea of two selves, even though in you know those simple two words, you're not really getting the depth of the duality piece, which we're going to get more deeply into. Yes, yeah, so there were two other temples, and inscribed on those temples at the entranceway as you came in, one of them was nothing to excess. Mm -hmm. And the third one was surety. Being sure brings ruin. <laughs> Which I love that one too. Don't you love it? Yeah. And nothing well, in excess was similar. I, you know, I looked it up on Wikipedia. And um, the be all end all of it, it is in a way. <laughs> it you is. Know? It's definitely good for research. There, there have been just as a silly digression. There, there have been TV shows um, that I've worked on, where uh, you know we we get like a wrist slapped if we use Wikipedia as a, But these were you know shows where we had to be extremely careful and substantiate our information. And you know how we are. <laughs> we don't is, have to do that. <laughs> we are, we are based everything on tall tales. Exactly, in our own our own empirical <laughs> knowledge. But anyway, so go ahead. You, you wikipedia it up, and what did it say? And it said, Ben Franklin said, moderation in all things, mm -hmm. which is similar. And he also said, wisdom in all things. Mm -hmm. So, wonderful. Ben Franklin took it from the Greeks. But should we talk about nothing in excess, too? Yeah, let's talk about that. And I'm also sort of chuckling because Ben Franklin, who was a great Renaissance man with multiple talents, many of which never got written about, was also known to be quite a, um, shall we say, philanderer or just he, in terms of excess, he was in, he had a large flock of, of lovers and ladies. Yeah. So well, it's kind of, but anyway, what yeah. else did he mean by it? Pre-Me Too movement. Right, exactly. Yeah. Right. So uh, nothing in excess um, means that 
we we kind of take a what the Buddhists call the middle path. Mm. And the middle path is a beautiful way of saying that. They use it in terms of not being too attached to things right. or not running from things. So n- not having excess, having moderation is a way of to keep on our path. That's how I think about it. Right. Because excess of all kinds, whether it's drugs or sexuality or peanut butter, whatever it is, can take us off our path. Right. Work accolades, like anything that we get attached to that we think is where our our identity lives. Right. Is dangerous excess to some degree, right? Dangerous excess. Mm. Which sounds lovely on certain days, but I know, doesn't it? But we're trying to <laughs> we're trying to get to the to the to the, the larger version of ourselves. So, um, and then the surety brings ruin. One I really I love that too. And um, you know, on some levels now, it feels like the idea of surety or getting attached to a dogma or a um, a decision or an opinion or an identity. Um, feels like it's become louder maybe in recent years. I don't, this is a crazy generalization because it's been part of human um, tendency forever, but just given the climate of what's gone on in the world politically and with the pandemic and people feeling more separate, more isolated and more scared that I think that um, I, I dare to say that fear um, feeds the desire for surety and that surety gives sort of the in- fake impression that somehow we're safe and that we're in control. And really, it's the opposite, isn't it? I love that, Callie. We could also say that surety in its extreme form is like fundamentalism. Mm-hmm. So fundamentalism in any religion is difficult because it's always black and white. Right. And there are no nuances. Right. So it's very difficult to negotiate with a fundamentalist, right? Right. right. Somebody who's overly orthodox. And I've always been of the belief that there is no such thing as black and white when it comes to humans, that almost everything is nuanced to some degree. Well, humans are made in multiple colors. Right, right. Literally and figuratively, yeah. Symbolically, you know. Mm -hmm. We mm-hmm. are a rainbow of colors. Mm-hmm. Yes, we are. So before, one thing I do want to say that is um, that I do support when it comes to surety is that we would love to have people join us and call in. And I am sure that this is the phone number to do so. How cheesy a segue. Oh, my gosh. Wow, I'm really stupid to the bottom, bottom of the barrel today. Um, if you would like to call in and join us, share any stories, any thoughts, get some uh um, guidance. Um, if there's any questions that you have, the number is 816-251-3555. We would love to hear from you. So, um, yeah, the idea of surety again, just feels so dangerous. I'm sure I'm right. You're wrong. I'm in control. This is what it means. This is what it looks like. It feels like we've been grasping onto that even more tightly than ever. Would you say, or do you think that I no, I I thought that was absolutely true, because we're in polarization, opposition, division, all of those things are very popular right now, 
and everybody takes their their position. The um, Republicans, uh, it just goes on and on. I, I don't even want to get into it. <laughs> right, because we're going to get angry. Yeah. <laughs> um, when we think about the idea of knowing thyself, I was thinking about this earlier. It feels like there's different, just even personalizing, like my trajectory of getting to know myself and what I feel like I've observed very generally from just people around me for most of my life is that there's different, like different stages of it. So first there's the kind of, um, basic external, uh, expression of, um, knowing ourself. Don Miguel Ruiz talks about this a lot. He calls it indoctrination, how you're defined when you come into this life. I am a girl, I am a boy, although, you know, certainly I'm not covering all of our different, um, uh, um, gender, sure. genders. Thank you right now. Um, our status, I'm part of this family. Um, I'm rich, I'm poor, I'm smart, I'm vocal, I'm not, I'm 50 years old. I have black hair, I'm thin, I'm fat. Um, and I think that's the first way that we learn. We label ourselves and society helps us to do that. You know, uh, our identity with certain belief systems and certain churches and certain schools and all of it. Um, then it feels like, and this is just again, broad strokes. It feels like then something really challenging happens. Usually, you know, it's some sort of a crisis, some sort of great loss, a job, a relationship, um, uh, the life of a loved one that you lose. Um, I mean, there's just, there's countless, but some sort of a loss or crisis, which often takes you into a dark place or takes you to therapy or takes you to looking at it as an opportunity, which is really what we want to, um, and emphasize and start to really, um, foster here is using these, what's, what seem like losses and, um, sort of the shedding of these identities when we think we know ourselves to really be an opportunity to get to know ourselves on a deeper level from a bigger place, right? Well, I, what I, I just want to throw something in from a psychological point of view. Yeah. All of the identities that we form initially are very, very important mm. for our ego development. That without the formation of those, we can get pretty wobbly or wiggly. <laughs> and so even though we're talking about letting go of them at some point, uh, it's important to to really remember that those are the things Don Miguel talks about it as an indoctrination. But from a soul point of view, it has so much to do with our soul's desire to find ourselves in a certain setting with certain parents with certain identities. So at some point in our maturity, we can begin to systematically let go of them. Mm. So that's always been one of the most interesting spiritual um, paradoxes to me, um, is the idea that, to your point, we come in with an ego, which is well entrenched and, like you just said, has very good reason to be there. And then if we're on a spiritual path, we often desire to shed our ego and sort of free ourselves from a lot of the mm -hmm. quote unquote trappings of it. But if we're going to back up for a minute, 
um, and just take this step by step, one of the big points that you've been making as we've been preparing for the show is, uh, and I said a little bit in our introduction, is that really I think what would be helpful for people to uh, grasp as we think about our purpose for doing the show is to consider the idea that we have two selves, plenty more in there as well in terms of our personality facets. But generally speaking, we have our divine, heavenly essence self, sort of our capital I, our big self. And then we also have our ego or our material self, which is the one that shows up every day and reacts and experiences and identifies and all the things that you just said, right? And helps us feel separate and individual. Right, exactly. And Which is feel... important so we don't merge with the universe and leave everybody behind. Right? Yeah, well, if you're me, that doesn't sound like a bad idea, but that's another show. That's another show. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that then. Um, just Which how, part, do, how do how do these things coexist then? Why is it that we have both and why is it important to recognize that we have both? Why do we have both? Well, as I just said, we have an ego in order to have an individual experience. Right. And that individual experience uh, is, in essence, very precious. We get to have likes and dislikes. We get to fall in love. We get to achieve things, and we can feel proud of ourselves. And all of those things are so valuable uh, in terms of what I was talking about in regards to a maturing ego. And the self is actually, and we talked about it in production, our production meeting, the self is actually a continuum that is available to all of us depending on where our awareness is. So if our awareness is in the separation individual ego, that's what we focus on. But as we practice mindfulness or as we practice meditation, the other parts of this continuum begin to open up to us and we realize that we're something larger. Right. We realize sometimes even going to the top of the mountain watching the sunset, we can have an aha experience and feel somewhat unbounded and timeless. And that's a part of us too. And I'll stop there so we can continue this great dialogue. <laughs> so I think that, um, and before I see our first caller um, queuing up here too, which we'll take in a moment, um, I think our intention for this conversation then is to just encourage people to consider that both of these exist and to get to know them all better. You know, I think... Um, so many times over the years, I've heard people say, I know myself, I know myself really well. And it's almost a resignation to a, ha a habitual way of looking at themselves. I know I'm always going to do this when I have a boyfriend. I know if I'm in this situation, this is the way I'm going to respond as if there's no shift, as if there's no space to maybe show up differently next time. It's almost looked at as a fallback plan, I think right. often. Right. And so the idea of entertaining um, number one, getting to know all those parts because they're all legit and important. Those are the ones that we need to shine the flashlight on, as we said earlier. And then to know that there's also this bigger sort of essence of us that can kind of help us to create space so they're not we're not bound in unhelpful ways to these more egoic um, 
fibers or attachments. Right? I think, yeah, from the Greek point of view, the know thyself really had to do with um, that deeper divine essence, mm. at least in terms of what Plato wrote about. So we're just changing it up a little because that's what we like to do. That's what we do. And we're saying know thyself is know all of it. Mm-hmm. Know the entirety. Mm-hmm. Know the globe. The whole globe. Right. All right, let's take a caller, shall we? Hi, caller, are you there? I'm here, yeah. Hi. Hi. What's your name and where are you calling from? Welcome. Uh, thank you. My name is Lisa, and I'm calling from Petaluma, California. Ah, hello, California. Do you have a, any thoughts about our topic today? Questions, comments? Do you feel like you know yourself? <laughs> I have a question Loaded about question, that. I know. <laughs> so uh, what I've never understood is why there's so why there are parts of ourselves that can be so critical or when they pop up so ugly. And I find it difficult to get to know those parts and understand where they come from, their origin. And my tendency is to try to avoid it or deny mm-hmm. it. And uh, do you have any suggestions? Well, first of all, thank you for that. And I think it's extremely relatable. Um, before we offer some answers, I have a, a follow-up question for you. Do you, um, are you thinking of, you don't have to name what they are um, unless you want to. Are you thinking of one or two personality traits that tend to come up re- repeatedly? So they're really kind of staring you in the face or is it more of a myriad of different things? Um, things that come up repeatedly. Um, mm-hmm. um Prejudice, for one. Mm. Noticing it, that mm-hmm. I don't have yeah. it, but I notice it's there, you know? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, thank you for again for the candor with that one, because that's not an easy one to acknowledge publicly. Um, you know, I would say one thing that I, I've gone through so many different chapters of getting to know the less pleasant parts of myself or the one, I don't even want to judge it, the ones that are um, more difficult or might be a little bit more daunting. And at first I learned just to um, welcome them and just to acknowledge that they're not going anywhere unless I can make friends with them a little bit. But then when I started to learn more and um, a lot lately, even in knowing Steve um, and, and his teachings with me, is that the ones, the, um, the, the, the ideas and personality parts of us that keep popping up are the ones that really need the most love from us and the most attention. And if we can reframe on them and, and, and give ourselves a little bit of permission not to be daunted or afraid or uncomfortable with them and just get to um, make some more space for them to, to show up. And then there's different techniques I know Steve can talk about to really, really befriend them. Um, I find that they, first of all, they dissolve and they're, um, they find their rightful place inside of you in a more holistic way that doesn't feel as uncomfortable or daunting. I can attest to that because I've been doing mm-hmm. a lot of that work, you know, in the last few mm-hmm. years, especially. So I hope that helps, but I'd like to hear Steve get into more detail because he's got some good ideas about around that. I know. I have a couple mm-hmm. nuggets. So, um, I think there's a beautiful phrase from the poet Rilke, the German poet, Mm, one says, of our favorites. He says that all thoughts and feelings come up for their completion. Mm. And so I want to run on that for a minute. Um, from a metaphysical point of view, what's occurring is that 
whatever circumstances, inner inner uh, conflicts that we don't finish from lifetime to lifetime follow us. And they follow us and they're woven into our personality and into our belief structure in order to finish it next time. And so when we see something ugly or when we see something that's prejudicial, we know, we know immediately that if it's very strong, more than likely it's coming from a past life experience. And more than likely it was reinforced or it was coming from a early childhood experience. So these en their energies and these energies are following us for completion. And if you think of them that way, it can be very helpful in working with them. So instead of thinking I'm bad, you can think of this came from a situation in the past where I didn't know what to do. Maybe I was indecisive, I was in conflict, I was in pain, and I didn't finish that circumstance. And it came with me so it could be done, it could be finished. Mm -hmm. And so having that attitude of welcoming Having that attitude of neutrality, having that attitude of I'd like to get to know you because I know you were hurting and I'd like to help you can be very helpful. It also feels like it's kind of um, a crying out, it's sort of repetitive, but like a, a crying out for just pieces of us that um, that deserve love. You know, I'm, I'm a big... And that aren't mutually exclusive. Like I have so many conversations with so many people in my life that are like, um, uh, I feel this way, uh, but I don't also, you know, I, I know I can't feel that way at the same time. And I'm such a huge proponent of the and instead of the but and sort of in, uh, embracing all the different sides of us, because the more we give ourselves permission, the more we can make friends with all of them. So we're going to ask our caller to hold on the line. Uh, we've been talking about knowing thyself, and next we're going to get into some deepening uh, versions of other ways that you can do that. We'll be right back. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Welcome back to One Soul Radio with Steve Hassenberg and Kelly Alpert. Welcome back, everybody. We are talking about know, knowing thyself. Uh, we have our caller, Lisa, on the line from Petaluma, California, and we were talking just about how recurring bits and pieces of our personality, the ones that are not the easier ones to face, come up a lot and why we were trying to give a little perspective. So, Lisa, did that connect for you in terms of... It, to it totally connected. Um, I, I, I relate so much to that because it's like the 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 thought is so automatic, and I, I find myself saying, it's like, what is that? I don't even believe that. 
It's mm. just like automatic. So it makes complete sense, The um, uh, what both of you were saying. Thank you. Thank you so much. We appreciate the call. Join us again for sure. Okay. Thank you. Um, thank you. I wanted to say too, you know, in turn, it's just really coming to me that um, the the degree to which I feel like it's really important to learn to love these bits and pieces of ourselves. You know, you speak from the karmic perspective. Obviously, I'm a big believer in that. There's a lot of people that might not be. They might find that to be bogus, which is fine because there's still parts of this direction and this perspective that can work for you, whether it's, you know, you would attribute more um, stubborn pieces of your personality uh, to your family of origin in this lifetime, whether you identify with that, um, the idea that they've been, you know, these recurring personality issues have been around for thousands of years and thousands of lifetimes. It really doesn't matter. I think that uh, what matters, like we were saying earlier, is just that we give them space and we mm-hmm. learn to let them in instead of being afraid of them. You know, I think about when I was in my early 30s before I went to therapy for the first time out of crisis because it was a really unhealthy, very dynamic, fa- I mean, wild, romantic, global relationship. Um but I was very defensive in it. You know, anytime my boyfriend would bring up X, Y, and Z with me, I couldn't bear to hear one challenge thing about myself. Um, and it took me to therapy, not that part, the unhealthy part of the relationship and, you know, crisis took me to therapy, um, which now I've been doing for you know the better part of 25 years. Um, but one of the things that came from that is learning to throw love in all of those different directions and learning that there was some version of myself that I was projecting onto myself that was unrealistic. And I was perfectly fine just the way I was with all these little nooks and crannies that I didn't want to own. And through a lot of work and all different types of, um, styles, uh, and, and still ongoing to this day, probably more in a metaphysical way than, than it was probably more of a psychological um, way, but to just to make friends with all these bits and pieces, because the more you do that, the softer they get, the more space shows up and the more, the closer you can get to the higher self, as you were talking about earlier, like the, the bigger essence of who we are. So I'm here to say that it works. It's just not fun. It's not pretty. And you have to want to do it. Well, what I did when I was younger, I went to a lot of uh, spiritual retreats that went on for a long period of time. I'm talking about months. And so I would be high as a kite. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I would come back and get depressed. Mm -hmm. And then I would go away and get high as a kite and then came back as depressed again. Right. Until I realized that I was doing this, what we call now spiritual bypassing. Uh, because of all the issues that I wasn't facing that were very psychological in nature and very conflictual. And so I was running from my conflicts into heaven, having experiences of heaven and being thrown back into the earth again and have that dirt rubbed in my face and saying, hey, buddy, it's time for you to do a little work here. Mm-hmm. That's how I woke up. Right. It's always like you can't skip the steps. You just can't skip the steps if you want to get to the high stuff. It's also the reason that a lot of people that delve into more consciousness raising um, experimentation with things like ayahuasca or psilocybin or maps, you know, whatever, um, LSD, whatever it may be, um, similarly will have these huge 
transcendent experiences when they're in the jungle, you know, in the jungles of Peru, and then they come back and they crash because there's all that middle ground. There's all the glue that's not holding those episodes together. So it's sort of, I think you're saying the same thing. I am. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about the Oracle. For all right, let's talk because, about Oracles. Yes. Because, well, aside from having Oracle decks that we use, but that's where the word comes from. Right. It means looking into the future. And um, the idea of a Delphic Oracle was somebody who may now in these days be known as a channeler, not just a psychic, but a channeler, somebody who's able to tune in, just like the shamans did, uh, tune into the upper world or the lower world in order to get information for a country or information to heal a single person. So that information is uh, available to somebody who's been able to let go of the limitation of their ego and sail into the uncharted unknown of their unbounded awareness. And they can come, ba come back with very, very precise and often very accurate information. And I know that because I work with an oracle. What did you, I mean, you've worked with a lot of people uh, of higher realms. Right. Is there anything that came out of that one that you want to share? Well, just the fact that there are people around now who have the same kind of, we're going to use the big word, oracular experience. Oh my gosh, did we just graduate to oracular <laughs> four-syllable words we on the did. show? Because our title is only, our title of our show is four is five syllables. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. I'm losing track. Go ahead. So the idea that uh, people can channel higher beings, ascended masters, um, has been around for a long, long time. They do it in Tibet. They've done it among the Native Americans. And people are doing it now. They did it in Greece. So... Just to know it's it's something that's still available and can be very useful in order to help you chart your course through life. Mm. Well, as you know, I'm pretty obsessed with all of that. Are you? I just want. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I've actually been doing the opposite lately because I'm, you know, I can get very attached to the idea of getting to the, you know, feeling the higher realms more often. Yeah. And I've known that that is extremely counterintuitive to actually feeling the higher realms is when you uh, are attached to the idea of getting there. It kind of gets in the way. So now I'm back to just being in the moment of each day and each whatever activity experience person that comes into my path. Good. With the hope that it becomes oracular. That's my not so secret hope. <laughs> but we digress. Um, so that's all. I mean, that's beautiful. And there's so much magic to all of that. I also want to remember, you know, for um, all the rest of us earthlings that are, you know, not living in those higher realm places and simply want to take, you know, just a few steps to try to maybe get to, um, you know, a place of just knowing themselves a little bit better. Uh, I, I guess the question I pose to both of us is why should anybody care? What's the benefit of knowing care, yourself better? Care about what? Knowing yourself, oh. what's what's the benefit of it? What well, can, what, what what promises can we make to to people about why it's a 
why it's an interesting and um, exciting prospect to actually make a commitment to something like this. Well, as a former transcendental meditation teacher, having given over a thousand lectures, the the idea was that if you're um, able and willing to begin tapping into the resource of your humanity, they say we use about seven or eight percent of our potential. Right, it's amazing. We use about seven or eight percent of our perceptions, that our perception is also limited. So there are a lot of limitations on us, and tapping into the infinite reservoir of who we are through meditation, through mindfulness, through yoga, through walks in nature, all of those things allow us to bring back from that reservoir more energy, more clarity, more presence, more creativity, more effectiveness, more spaciousness, more ability to solve problems. Am I giving you a little motivation? Yeah, well, yeah, I think I might start this process. <laughs> Thanks for giving me some incentive. Finally, maybe I'll try to get to know myself a little bit. Um, yeah, no, I mean, those are <laughs> those are all really, um, really promising possibilities, you know. At the same time, I think that people are terrified, you know, in some ways on certain days, it's easier to live in your container that just kind of goes through your days, feels the, feels the joy, feels the good stuff and wants to deny the, you know, the, the things that are a little bit more difficult, you know? Um, the container is safe, right? The limitations are safe. Right. Go so back okay. to Maslow. Maslow, Abe Maslow, this great psych legendary psychologist, right. said that we every day, moment by moment, we have the possibility of taking a risk choice into the unknown or a safety choice back to the known. And most of us choose safety. Right. Um you know, I'm having I'm I'm having a recollection of the first time that I ever considered this topic that I remember anyway. Um, and I was a teenager in high school, um, and or pre yeah I guess a teenager fit whatever fifteen something like that. And a girlfriend of mine, you know, again we're all like troubled with our teenage girl angst and whatever unrequited crush and whatever bad grade and parent, you know, whatever it was. And she came to me and she said, I don't know who I am. I don't know who I am. <laughs> and some, I have no idea where this came from. And I said to her, you know, the next opportunity you get, go into a room or when you get home, sit in a dark, you know, quiet room and close your eyes and whatever comes to you is who you are. <laughs> it's a, a beautiful thing. It was, you know, I mean, in some ways I look back, I'm like, that was pretty uh, prophetic for a 15-year-old. Like I said, uh -huh. I was out of my tush. Like I have no idea where that came from or why or, you know, that it was anything. It's any, some great stroke of wisdom by any stretch. But in retrospect, I realized that there was something pretty pure about it because in some ways that's what it is. It's, um, And that's, again, and we will be getting to, you know, our action steps or at least actually today we have a very special one soul challenge a one soul radio know thyself challenge that we'll get to in our action step <laughs> section Good. in a few moments um 
But I do think that it's a huge case for spending more time with yourself, for finding silence, for taking yourself out on a date, for not being afraid to be alone, for not being afraid to start therapy, uh, get a self-help book, Um, you know, just anything that makes space to sort of open things up and kind of like poke some, you know, poke some holes. To let Poke the, some holes in yeah, the, the colander. In the container. It, that's exactly the image I just had in my head. And then I stopped myself and I thought, is that what I'm trying to say? Thank you. Well, that's what Plato said. He said, we're all wearing colanders. Oh, did he? <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Do you want to give the bibliography for where he said that? <laughs> <laughs> so, he said, we're all walking around in big colanders with these shafts of light coming through Mm. and if you follow that shaft you'll find out that there's a larger self waiting for you somewhere else and he talked about that and that almost in those kinds of words the the kind of uh life the vitality that lived outside of the cave uh, which cave is a dark place that he said human beings lived in Mm. And so we're promoting more light. Right. We're promoting more love for yourself. Right. We're promoting more kindness, more tenderness, more compassion. Amen. Keep going, brother. Amen, Amen, sister. (laughs) As I'm listening to you talk, I'm thinking it's sort of the same as when you have an uncomfortable conversation that you need to have with the loved one. Yeah. Where there's a topic that's big and important and it's really terrifying and you procrastinate it and you put it off and you feel uncomfortable and you avoid confrontation or you assume it's going to be confrontational. And then inevitably 99% of the time after you have it, you feel more spacious, you breathe, Mm -hmm. uh, you exhale more deeply and you feel better. Yes. And in some ways that's a, I'm likening that to this, except this you're doing with yourself. You're almost having a confrontation, which is not a bad word, with yourself. That's right. And you're coming out of a more limited space. Right. Every time we come out of a more limited space, we feel better. I mean, if anything I do in my practice every day is help people come out of more limited spaces, what else am I doing? (laughs) I'm showing them there are other parts of themselves of the universe that are waiting for them and welcoming them back home. And that's at every level, you know? Yeah. Come back, come back to a larger sense of yourself. Is there, um, as the professional psychotherapist in on this team here, are there, um, like, are there the top one to three uh, kind of internal struggles that people, or, or pieces of people's personality that they're most afraid to face? Well, you know, worthiness is Mm. the biggest one ever Mm. right i'm not and this was this certainly belonged to me for most of my life yeah i am not valuable i am not worthy i'm not good enough i'm not lovable enough those are the ones that come up over and over and over again and i think they come up over again because in so many ways we're cut off from that unless we have and this is so rare unless we have an extraordinarily loving family which i didn't to catalyze those things more than likely the opposite happens 
or instead of being catalyzed, we're criticized. And that criticizing makes us smaller and smaller and smaller, and we forget our own nature. And yeah. that's one of the reasons we're doing this topic today. Yeah, yeah. Um, as you know, well, I can also relate to that in some ways. You know, I still have my full family of origin intact, so it's very interesting to, and it was, you know, it's been an extremely traumatizing and dysfunctional ride um, in, in my family with my parents. And here I am now as a grown woman who's had, you know, a lot of opportunity for therapy and learning and self-introspection and hopefully some stages of, you know, evolution over the years, all my efforts and commitments to do that. But my dynamic and the things that are still being projected into our family based on um, how my parents are made hasn't changed. It's actually gotten worse because now they're elderly. I've changed. So there's a constant and a variable. And it's very interesting. I'm just thinking about this now. I can look at the whole sort of arc of my life, how I showed up as a little kid, not having a voice, um, trying to learn how to navigate a very dysfunctional and um, you know, psychologically traumatizing dynamic in our family. And now navigating it differently because I'm a completely different person in terms of my toolbox because I've spent so much time shining a light on all these different aspects of myself. Um, it's really interesting and it's a beautiful thing. You know this too. In recent weeks even I've uh, celebrated it. I've been driven to tears realizing that when I'm still being uh, – I don't want to say subjected, but, you know, cause I'm certainly not a victim, but when I'm still being called to deal with familiar dynamics in my life, whether it's family or out in the world, and I'm handling them differently because of my self-awareness, it's such an amazingly powerful, poignant gift to be able to recognize how much this stuff that we're talking about works. That's really my point is that, you know, I'm here to and we're never done. And I'm not saying that I'm done, <laughs> right. but I'm saying that I am now I've turned so many corners with this theme that, um, I find myself celebrating it and, um, and honoring it and giving it a hug just to acknowledge it, that it exists. So all this to say that for anybody that might be just starting out on a path of self discovery, um, or afraid or super uncomfortable, um, everything, I, I can attest to the fact that it works because I've been so deeply humbled and moved by it even very recently. So for what that's worth, it's my, my testimonial to this, just this theory. Bravo. You can, you, you can say the same. Well, you just described my life. You we share that. You could have put Steve in there instead of Callie. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Navigating the rough waters of dysfunctional families. Mm -hmm. That was my whole life. Yeah. And here right. we are. The, the better for it now. Right. That's the other piece of this. Always the better for it. It just never feels that way when you're in it ever. And we will do um, other shows. Uh, in fact, we have one coming up in a few weeks where there's, you know, we can do the master reframe on how difficult situations can be made into benefits while you're in them. But all this to say that there's always a silver lining and there's always a reason that you're being given these things so that you can deepen your relationship with yourself and your higher self, or your higher power, whatever word you want to use. Remember what Joe Campbell said. We always want to bring Joe in. Yes, we do. 
the path that you take is the one you're ready for. So that even means that the parents you choose are the ones you're ready for. Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem that way. Like no, the doesn't. stork brought me to the definitely the wrong house. <laughs> but that's, or not. that stork <laughs> was being driven by higher intelligence, right? right? Right. We just, it's again, that's, that's part of how we have to really, that's, that's the investment in a belief system and a trust that we often don't see proof of until very end or some much later date. Right. Yeah. Maybe we should see storks as magicians. mm, Right. All right. Wizards, (laughs) a wizard stork. Okay. We're going to do that as our, as we'll, we'll do that during our next dumb show meeting to determine some of our upcoming shows. Shall we get to our action steps today? Yes. All right. So we have our one soul, know thyself challenge action, action, action steps segment. Um, the first one is to identify a part of yourself that you've shied away from based on what we've talked about today. Simply take some time, write about why this part of yourself frightens you and um possibly why you've why you've um, avoided it up until now don't have to share it with anybody you can share it with somebody don't ever have to read it again but it's just an exercise just to get sort of the water waters churning to open up some space um second one is to spend some time with a dormant part of yourself have you always um have did you paint when you were a kid and you miss it um do you like playing music um have you you know not taken time to go hug a tree lately or, you know, a whole variety of other pastimes that might be interesting to you that you haven't tried and try to revisit that part, open that, that piece of you up again. And then finally form a relationship with your spiritual side, find a way to get quiet, a way to create some space so that you can let things come up where you feel safe. And you can do that by starting a mindfulness practice Uh, meditation practice. And we would suggest trying to do this one time a day for seven days straight and see if you feel any differently. So again, we're challenging all of you this time and knowing yourself, knowing thyself a little bit more deeply. So identify. we're following in the footsteps of our friend Deepak Chopra, who actually has a 21 day challenge going on now. Ah. With one of my favorite, favorite, favorite singers in the world, Alicia Keys. Oh, right, 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 right. Okay, and, well. And so Alicia's learned TM from Deepak, and uh, they're doing the show together. And I actually watched part of it. It's really great. All right, you have to. I'd like to hear more about that. I think you might yeah. have sent me something from that. Yeah. So just to repeat, um, our one soul know thyself challenge: identify a part of yourself that you've shied away from, and write about why this part of you frightens you. Number two, spend some time with the dormant part of you that uh, turns you on, something that is fun, a pastime that you haven't tried before, that you haven't tried in a while. Pick up your paintbrush, play some music, take a hike by yourself, rather than maybe you know, the person you're accustomed to talking to all the time you hike and hike in silence, just anything that sort of shakes it up a little bit. And then finally form a relationship with your spiritual side, find a way to get quiet, mindfulness practice, meditation practice. There are plenty of um, apps online that can help you. You can also contact us on our Facebook page if you need some guidance um, and try to meditate once a day for seven days straight and see how that, how that feels for you. I'm going to give it a shot. 
I think it's high time that you start meditating. <laughs> I think you're. I think you have a lot to benefit from. Well, thank you, Kelly. I'm yeah, going to push try. myself. <laughs> I think it's high time you start to speak that spiritual language. <laughs> um, so with that, we want to thank everybody for listening. Your support always means so much to us. We're happy that you're here with us. You can also take a listen to this um, show in podcast form on Unity Online Radio podcast link. Um, you can check us out on our website page, onesoulradio.com. We are on Instagram at One Soul Radio. We are on Facebook at One Soul wow. Radio Podcast. Yeah, this look. sounds like the litany of like us trying to be down with the kids, right? Wow. And we'd like you to engage with us if you have topics that you'd like to offer us up that you want us to talk about. If you have questions or needs or need some guidance or advice um, or, hey, I'll even pimp out Steve for some free, you know, I mean, this is a renowned psychotherapist that, you know, you can access for free on our Facebook page to, to a limit. To a, to a, to I thought a you were going to pimp me out for car washes. <laughs> that too. Um, next week, join us, same place, same time. When we talk about love versus fear, thank you so much. Have a good week. Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.